Good morning. This is Amy on the Amy Mills Live Show. Thank you so much for being here and happy Sunday. I love Sundays. Um, They're a good day. It's a family day. Hopefully you can take a break from work day. That's what we're supposed to do. And um, just rest and regenerate. All of us need some regeneration going from the week to the weekend. Amen. Well, I tell you what, if you are just finding me here on this show, um, Sold Out Ministries is the foundation of this show. We are all about freedom in Christ. My heart passion is to walk alongside individuals as they break the chains that bind their abilities and their belief systems so that they can live out their God destiny. I always say every single one of us, we're going to live a destiny. We are going to arrive at the end of our lives at a destination. But many of us will arrive at a destination that was not God's plan for our life. And um, we don't want any regrets. We want to thrive through this life and make sure that we know that um, we are on track with our, it's a divine um it's a divine life. If you're a follower of Christ, there is a divine life to be lived. And the growth and the support and the grace that we experience as Christians really changes the richness and the results of all of our lives, trials I think one of the biggest um, misnomers is that we as Christians don't have trials and tribulations and that, you know, obviously the God thing isn't all it's cracked up to be because people see Christians suffering, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is that he will never leave us or forsake us. The gospel is that we have a home in eternity. The gospel is that we are forgiven and full of uh, and grace filled. You know, somewhere along the way, we're supposed to be perfect because we're Christians or that maybe someone falsely um, presented themselves at that as that as that way. And. The case is actually this, that we are all very, very similar. The difference is that when you're walking with the Lord, there are 7,000 promises, over 7,000 promises in the Bible that we can stand on, that we are given the authority of Jesus Christ. The same power is put in us that raised Jesus from the dead. The same hand that pulled Peter out of the raging water when he was about to drown was, uh, is the same hand that reaches down and pulls you and I out of these trials and tribulations and these uh, waves that are crashing over our heads that we have a God that is bigger His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He does not think like us. He sees so much more of the story than we see or ever could comprehend. And I can promise you that this tiny blip on the map called life that we are so overwhelmed by is literally uh, a dot on the map compared to what eternity is going to be living 
um, with our Savior. And so a little dissertation there this morning of just really getting in the zone about what it means uh, to follow the Lord and what what platform does that put us on. And for, for those of you that are listening that may not be believers, it doesn't put me on any of a better, more holier platform than you. It just gives me some promises that I desperately need to get through this life. And it is uh, it is my choice and my way of living to say, I need a Savior, and I need all those things I just said. I need somebody whose ways are not my ways, that her thoughts are not my thoughts, that his, his eyesight is greater than mine, that has way more healing power than I have, that can give me authority that I need to, to fight the enemy of my soul. And that's the difference. That's all it is. I'm so similar to you. You're so similar to me. And I hope that whoever's listening this morning really needed to hear that because I think a lot of people do out there. There is a lot of confusion, especially in our world right now. There is a lot of false accusation about what um, the faith community, uh, what their purpose is. And so we just want to join together, hand in hand, believers and non-believers, in trying um, to, to get a better understanding of really our platforms, honestly, and um, the way of life that we have chosen and what our beliefs are. And it doesn't diminish anybody else's beliefs, but it explains um, and provides understanding. Is that is that good enough? Is that good? All right. Off the soapbox. That was not part of the show because we are in the middle of praying the promises of God over our life. And if you missed the show yesterday with Dr. Ben Spitzenberger, please go snatch it up at amymillslive.com. It, it was it was really such good medicine for my soul, and I think it will be for yours as well. Um, we are praying the promises of God, and I have um, a little excerpt from a book I've been reading by Mike Shreve. He tells the most unbelievable stories. This guy has the most colorful life. I want a colorful life like this guy's. He has had more God, crazy God moments than um, a lot of people that I will ever read about. But um, you know what? You know why? Because he made himself available because his belief level is it's it's just out of this earth and he has had these fantastic experiences and he's sharing a lot of his stories in this little book that I found about praying the promises of God and so what we're going to talk about today is one of my favorite scriptures and concepts in all the Bible and I talk about it a lot and it's Mark 11 22 and 23 and it is this It says, Jesus answered them, have faith in God, for truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. He breaks this scripture down. He clarifies what it means and what it doesn't mean. And so when we come back, I'm going to dive deep into this. I'm going to give you um, some stories from Mike. And uh, I think it's going to bless all of us by the time we get finished. Let's run to break. 
Dr. Ben and Dr. Gerard at Focused On You Chiropractic adjust your spine with a highly specialized system, correcting nerve interference in the upper spine, allowing the rest of the spine to become healthy and stable. The result is less pain, better health, less illness, and a better quality of life. No cracking, popping, or twisting ever. Connect to Dr. Ben at FocusedOnYouChiropractic.com. Good morning, people. This is Amy here, Amy Mills Live. So glad that you're here. We are moving into um, the next portion of the show, and we are talking about Mark 11, 22, and 23, which is moving mountains. And I have always loved this scripture, and I've always um, talked about it in Sold Out Ministries about just the fact that the faith, it says the faith of a mustard seed. If we would just have that in our life, that that it's saying a tiny amount of faith can move the mountains in your life. And I need to hear this message today. I don't know about you. I got some mountains in my life. All of us do. I don't we never become so holy that we don't have mountains to move. And if you feel like that's the place that you're at, then there's probably a little bit of legalism in your life that you better take a peek at because nobody, nobody reaches until we hit the house of Jesus, until we go through the front doors of Jesus' house in heaven. We are all people living in a fallen world. We are sinners by nature and um, we are, gosh, we're living in a fallen world. And so we have these mountains. Um This author says this mountain-moving promise is one of the weightiest propositions in the teachings of Jesus. Uh, Most likely, it probably was uh, intentional exaggeration on Jesus' part. Um, You know, nobody, not even the Son of God himself, had ever literally ripped a mountain out of the ground with a spoken word. So there was some exaggeration here. He's trying to make a point. It was a metaphor. It was a word picture meant to illustrate a powerful and important concept. Um, he was connecting it to an unforgettable, really mental image, something that we really can get in our minds and make a huge impact. There's nothing more immovable and changeable or intimidating than a mountain, right? So it represents the most immovable, unchangeable, and intimidating situation that you or I could ever face and life, both oppositions and challenges. Um, <laughs> and you could be thinking right now, I'm not dealing with a mountain, but I've got an entire mountain range. This promise is definitely for you. An obscure passage from the Old Testament is a really good starting point. It's uh, Zerubbabel, The newly installed governor of Jerusalem was faced with the prospect of rebuilding and the destroyed temple. So the Jews, it goes on to say the Jews had just returned from 70 years in bondage uh, in Babylon. Brokenness. Their holy city, Jerusalem, was literally, you guys, it was in ruins. There was deep sorrow. The temple mount was a just it was a garbage heap. They were broken. They had deep sorrow. They were overwhelmed. And um What Zerubbabel and his associates must have felt in the privacy of their own hearts had to have been despair and hopelessness, just like you and I experience. Then the prophet Haggai made a stupendous claim. 
And he tagged God with it. He says, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes as nothing in comparison to the way it used to be? The glory of this latter house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. Wow. What a statement. So Zerubbabel probably thought, how could such a thing ever come to pass? This temple was the most glorious building ever constructed in Israel. The Shekinah glory of God, the most mighty, um, uh, what's the word I want to use? Not revelation, but example of God swept into this building so mightily that the priest could not even stand up to minister. I mean, what he's thinking, what could exceed that? Zechariah, another prophet, during the same error, gave the governor important keys. This is the word of uh, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstones with shouts of grace. So he's saying that this mountain is now going to become a flattened plain. It happened. Here it is. The temple was rebuilt. Though initially inferior to the first, centuries later, under Herod, the latter house became larger than Solomon's original temple. But what was the greater glory? Could it have been the Lord of glory himself walking in the temple area and teaching the mysteries of the kingdom? That was Jesus manifest as God here on earth. What could have been more glorious than that? And so begins the biblical tradition, here we go, of speaking to mountains. (laughs) Maybe you and I should try to speak into our mountain in this same way. First, name our mountain. Envision it. Announce what it represents. Picture it. Put it on paper. And then dare to say, who are you, O great mountain, before my name? So I'll say, who are you, O great mountain, before Amy? You will become a plain. Do you feel the surge of confidence? Another great passage from Isaiah before we run. And then we're going to come back to this. It's a great ending, so don't miss it. Another great passage from Isaiah, the prophet, is a well-known prophecy of the coming of Jesus. He says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made strength and the rough places smooth. Now that's Isaiah 40. The one crying in the wilderness, as we know, was John the Baptist. The highway he prepared in the desert was his message of repentance that prepared the hearts of the Israelites for the promised one. So during the Messiah's short lifespan of 33 years, every mountain, every dark, towering, unbeatable, unconquerable foe in the world was brought 
low. And through his torturous death and glorious resurrection, wow, overpowering Mount Everest-sized summits, such as the curse of the separation from God, the curse of the sin of nature, the curse of death, in one day, one day, you guys, was ripped from the ground and thrown into the sea. Hey there, guys. It's Amy. I just wanted to take a quick break and talk to you about some communication that we are going to start sending out to um, all the folks who not only follow this show, Amy Mills Live, but also the folks that follow Sold Out Ministries, which is the ministry that I founded back in 2009 out of my freedom experience. And so we've got this group of people that are loving to hear about um, freedom, and we want to do a better job at communicating with you all. So if you will shoot me an email, amy at soldoutministries.com, and just give me your name and give me your email, we will start sending out a weekly communication piece, whether it's a, a tips for the day or whether it's a scripture or whether it's something that the Lord's brought to my mind. We're going to try to do a better job of communicating with you and lifting you up during the week. So reach out to me at amy at soldoutministries.com. Give me your name and your email. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with me here. I want to wrap up this story, this scripture, this um, uh, trying to draw a picture for you about how Matthew talks about us speaking to the mountains of our life and having those crumble before our eyes, having those been be, be um, literally flattened into a flat plane, if you will. So we're talking about the temple being rebuilt, being more glorious than the one prior and how those people must have felt so desperate, completely in despair, overwhelmed, and, and just broken. They've been in captivity in Babylon. The temple has been flattened. And all of a sudden, these prophets come and start to speak life, speak to, these, uh, to this mountain that... The temple is going to be rebuilt, and it's going to be better than it ever was. In fact, better than the last one. And then we see Jesus himself walking in this temple. And then we, um, we've we gone now into um, his death and resurrection. And what happened in one day? One day, it says, through his torturous death and glorious resurrection. Huge, overpowering Mount Everest-sized summits such as the curse of separation of God, the curse of sin, uh, the curse of death. And one day, all of those were ripped from the ground and thrown into the sea. A tsunami of change, you guys, swept across the world from that point onward. It in anticipation, um, the author says, of this global reach, God also promised in the very next verse in Isaiah, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see, shall see it together. So before the Son of God gave this supreme example, though, um, while he was yet on earth, 
he made sure his followers understood this mountain moving calling, okay, by teaching us um, in the classroom of the real world is what he did. The father of an epileptic boy brought his son to the disciples for healing, but they were unable to set him free. And when Jesus heard what happened, he rebuked his disciples. He said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. He's like, my gosh, you guys, how long do I have to be around you? How long shall I bear with you? I mean, he's put out. He said, bring the boy over here. When Jesus cast out the demon, the child was delivered instantly. The disciples, a little bit embarrassed, a little bit frustrated um, over their failure, they asked, they said, why, why can we not heal this boy, Jesus? And he says, because of your unbelief, truly, I say to you, here it is, if you have faith, As a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Here, Jesus is trying to build an example of the level of faith that he was calling not only his disciples to, but you and I, faith like a grain of mustard seed, that in in measuring uh, Distance is it's about two millimeters thick. It's like one twelfth of an inch. <laughs> it means that only takes it only takes a little faith. And in some cases, time is also required for faith to do its work. All right. Mustard seeds must be planted in the ground and germinate and have time to grow. If you have this amazing gift called faith, nothing, he says, will be impossible for you. Chew on that, people. We got to think about this. And, you know, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. And so when we feel like our faith is waning, we don't beat yourself up. Go to the author of your faith. Push harder in. Lean further in to Jesus. Potential mountain movers need to remember two conditions revealed in this theme. One, you cannot doubt in your heart, even if you fight doubts in your mind. Two, you must be, uh, you've got to believe what you say will come to pass and don't work against yourself by speaking the opposite and don't even worry about how the turnout's going to come. That's up to Jesus. So then he says, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So we're thinking wishful thinking or does that work? He says, I know it works. The skeptics have come too late to dissuade me. I have irrefutable evidence. He goes on to talk about um, this prayer group that he was in in Florida that prayed him into the kingdom of God. And one day uh, there was a young man, you guys, he tells this story that was riding his bicycle and it was hit by a car. He said initially threw him up off the hood of the car, uh, mangling the bike. Uh, Ben, this little boy, was thrown to the pavement. When he tried to stand, his left leg collapsed like an accordion underneath him. And he said that... uh, They were all unaware that a three-inch piece of his shin bone had been dislodged, splintered beyond repair. It was laying on the pavement. It took three surgeries just to clean the wound. And so the surgeon told Ben's parents that obviously um, uh, after bone grafts, you know, blah, 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 going on and on and on, the boy was um, going to walk with a terrible limp. And what happened was during a Friday night prayer meeting, 
there was a woman that was interceding for this young little boy, and she was overwhelmed with the prompting to, 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 to pray for this little boy and the destruction of his leg. And she then uttered a mountain-moving faith decree with divine authority in her voice and began to pray a new bone for Ben. And you guys, I am telling you, the story goes on to say that in this prayer meeting, this young boy felt something as she was praying. And indeed, God healed him. X-rays confirmed soon after there were three inches of brand new bone in his leg. This little boy's story is a massive miracle. A mountain was moved. A mountain was thrown into the sea. This little boy never limped. In fact, he was an all-star athlete. During that same period, he had a massive uh, move of the Holy Spirit in his life. He received not only physical transformation, but a spiritual transformation. Who are you, oh great mountain? Wow. Now it's our turn to fear not, to, to believe, to declare, to decree. The God of created miracles still lives. I'll close with this. I proclaim that we have faith as grain of a mustard seed. It is alive and it is growing. God's word urges me and you to speak against the mountains in our life. I refuse to doubt. I identify those mountains and I believe with all my heart in the name of Jesus. Mountain, you must move. I believe that what I say will come to pass. I declare God will honor his word. This is God's promise to me. I claim this supernatural impartation. I've got to go, guys. Join me next week here on the Amy Mills Live Show. 